Well, it's, uh, it's finally here, right? Election 2020 this week. Uh, it's been on my mind, not just normally with all the voting stuff, but also because our church, if you don't know this, is a, is a polling precinct uh, for the first time in a presidential election, at least in recent history on this campus. And Henry County called and said, you are going to have the most voters assigned to you out of any precinct. Um, and so they were asking if they can deliver porta potties and do traffic. And so we're, we've been preparing and, and getting excited to kind of host our community in this small way coming up. And I know as the election approaches, some of you are, are feeling uh, excited. Some of you are feeling nervous, uncertain. Some of you are happy that the text messages and the mailers are going to stop. I just got a text. I don't, do y'all get text messages from everybody like I do? Okay. Um, I get them from everybody all times of day and night. Uh, so I know some of you are happy for those to be over. But whatever you're feeling, um, I want to encourage you to, to cast your ballot if you haven't already um, this Tuesday coming up. And since the election's coming up, I thought we, we'd start the sermon with a, kind of a straw poll ourselves. And uh, I'm not going to ask you who you're voting for for president. Uh, but I have three questions for you. So we're going to raise your hand, okay? Yes or no. So the first one is, if you could abolish daylight savings time, would you do it? Yes, raise your hand. Or no, do you like the time change? I mean, it's kind of nice to kind of switch with the... Yeah, okay, all right. Second question, do you think our world would be a better place if people were more kind to one another? Yes? No? Okay. Do you, this one is a little more personal, do you wish you were a more kind person? Yes or no? Anybody mastered it? Okay, good. You're, you're doing good. I mean, I, I think in divided times, there are some things we can agree on. Daylight savings time, maybe it's a little more controversial. But I think if you, if you really polled people all over the world, every country, and said, hey, if we were more kind and did more good for one another, would we be better off? I think everybody would say, yeah, of course we'd be better off. And I think if we extrapolated our results from this room and talked to people, hey, do you wish you were more kind and did more good? I think most people, the vast majority of people all around the world, not just in the United States, would say the same thing. You know what? I wish that was me. I wish that was my life. I mean, all of us kind of have that desire. And yet, so often, we're, we're not kind to people. So often we have opportunities to do good, and yet we, we don't do good to other people. And this week, as I've been thinking about these things, I, I talked to some of my friends, and I said, you know, hey, pastors and others, I said, why do you, why do you think, you know, we, we have this aspiration, and yet we consistently kind of fail to meet it? And, and one person said, well, I think one reason why, you know, there's not more kindness in the world is because a lot of us have been hurt and hurt people hurt people. If we haven't healed from our wounds, and a lot of times we inflict wounds on other people. I thought, wow, that's deep, right? That's like a whole sermon series we could do. Somebody else said, I, I think one reason why we're not more kind and why we don't do more good in the world is because a lot of times we're, we're just busy. We're focused on ourselves. I mean, we're living life. We're going to work. We're going to school. And so at the end of each day, it's like, I, I, don't, I just don't feel like I have the capacity to do that for other people. Somebody else said, I think it's because a lot of us, it wasn't modeled for us in our homes. A lot of people didn't grow up with, with people who were kind to one another. They haven't seen it. Some of us, we struggle with this because we think, well, you know what? People aren't deserving of our kindness. People haven't done anything to deserve 
our good deeds. And I think for me, one reason why I think a lot of us struggle with this is because perhaps uh, you've ever heard this term, compassion fatigue. Has anybody heard that? That's where you just kind of get tired uh, of doing good or like, you know, you've, you've tried to do good, you've, you've tried to help out people and you just really aren't seeing any effects. And so over time, you just kind of get burned out and, and you give up a little bit. I mean, if we went around the room, I'm sure we could get a lot of reasons for, for why we, we struggle to be kind to others and, and do good to others. And this morning, I could, I could give you, you know, some quick tips, maybe some easy fixes to kind of put in your life, or maybe we could kind of like start a program to do good as a church. But I think ultimately, all of those things will fail unless we as people of faith remember two key truths. And the first is that naturally... That is due to our, our sin nature in us. Naturally, we're, we're not inclined towards kindness and goodness. Naturally, on our own, left up to ourselves, we're actually inclined towards selfishness, bitterness, hatred, anger, pettiness. So that's one thing we have to remember. These things don't necessarily come, come natural to us. But the second thing we have to remember that we've been talking about the last few weeks is that kindness and goodness are gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are gifts that God wants to give to each of us. And so they're not necessarily natural. You might say they're, they're supernatural. The Holy Spirit, as we invite the Spirit to work in our lives, to live in us, the Holy Spirit grows these things as we become more and more like Jesus Christ. And so as we've been in this series on the fruit of the Spirit, we've been talking about all sorts of things that God wants to grow in us. We've been kind of camping out in, in a passage in Galatians chapter 5. And I want to read it this morning with kind of a little wider, wider context. Beginning in verse 16, here's, here's what Paul writes. He says, So I say again, walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But you, if you are led by the Spirit... You're not under the law. And so here he's talking about, hey, look, we're inclined towards these things, to living by the flesh. And he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And he says, I warn you, as I did, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says the second thing I talked about, but the fruit of the Spirit, the organic outgrowth of the Holy Spirit's power and presence in us, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And each week we've been looking at different ones, and, and this morning we're, we're going to dive deeper into kindness and goodness. And we're, we're kind of hitting these two together because in, in many ways they're very similar. And if you hear people use them, a lot of times they're kind of used interchangeably in conversation as well. That's because they, they both kind of have a, a focus or a root of moving away from focusing on ourselves and moving towards focusing on other people. And, and theologians and scholars, I mean, they kind of debate, okay, what exactly is kindness? How does it exactly differentiate between goodness? But I want to kind of just, just simplify it this morning. And for our conversation, just say kindness. Kindness 
is desiring what's best for other people. Kindness is desiring what's best for other people. It's an attitude of the heart. Being kind is an attitude of the heart. Goodness, on the other hand, is more about doing what's best for other people. Doing what's best for other people. And so doing good is more of an activity we do with our life. And and when it comes to, to kindness and goodness... And this idea of moving the focus from ourselves to other people, it's easy to think, okay, well, let's first, you know what, let's just focus on other people. But I think if we're really going to have kindness and goodness grow in a lasting, in a healthy, in a sustainable way in our lives, we don't need to focus on other people first. Instead, we need to focus on God first because Paul tells us that God, God's Spirit, is the giver of these things in our lives. And as we've seen each week, God actually perfectly embodies each of these fruit of the Spirit. And so if we think about it, God is love. God is patient, like we talked about last week. God is kind. And God is good. Do you, any of y'all know that old back and forth, God is good? And all the time, God is good, right? This is something that we, we say regularly. And this is something that we see throughout scriptures, actually from from beginning to end, that God is good and God is kind. We we find God's loving kindness talked about in the Psalms and, and through the prophets. But ultimately, the greatest expression of God's kindness and his goodness is the act of sending his own son into the world for us. And in Titus chapter 3, we have a beautiful kind of summation of this good work that God has done on our behalf because of his kindness. And so if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to open to the book of of Titus. And we're going to read in chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. And and here's what we find there. At one time, we too were selfish, sorry, foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. And this is kind of what Paul was talking about in Galatians with, with the flesh. This is, this is living in our flesh. This is how things are. Verse 4, he says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because... Of his mercy. And I love this verse. I love this verse because Jesus is, is described simply as the kindness of God. Jesus is the kindness of God. I heard somebody say, Jesus is kindness on two legs. And as Jesus lived his life, I mean, we see that, that he was kind to everyone and he did good to all people. I mean, when people we're desperate in need of healing. Jesus didn't say, you know what, I have my, my, my schedule for the day. I can't veer from it. No, he stopped and he spent time with those people. He healed them. He did good to them. People who were outcasts, who didn't have friends, who were living at the edge of society, Jesus was good to them. He loved them. He gave them dignity. He lifted them up. Jesus was kind and he did good to all people. And we know that ultimately he laid down his life for us. And we read here, not because of the good things we had done, but because of his mercy and of his love. And as we continue, what we find in verse 5, God saved us 
through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. And in this paragraph, I want you to to kind of think about the the order of, of things here. Because I think when we get this order out of whack, it's when we grow tired and it's when we get compassion fatigue. And so if we look at the order, we find that, okay, after God created us out of love and we were disobedient, we were turning from him. He, in an act of love, sent his son, kindness in the flesh, for us. He laid down his very life and then we find when we trust in him, we're justified. That means we're put in a right relationship with God. Then the Holy Spirit is poured out on us. We have hope for eternity. And then, if you notice, in the last verse, verse 8, then we are empowered and we are sent out to do good works in the world. And this is an important kind of sequence to get right because a lot of times what we think is we think, you know what, we need to be kind and we need to do good so that we can earn God's love and earn God's approval. And when we're doing good things out of that motivation, ultimately we're going to grow weary in doing good. Or we think, you know what, I'm going to just try to muster up the energy and I'm going to try to put a smile on my face and be really kind to everybody today without living by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, as Paul says. And when we try to do that, we get compassion fatigue. We get burned out. We just get tired. But, but here's the thing, what, what we see here. When we keep our focus on the good work that God has done for us, and the good work that God has done in us, it's then we can really be propelled out and live the good works that God wants to do through us. God has done the greatest act of love for us. His grace is, is hard to fathom. It is free. It is love for you and for me. And when we are overwhelmed by God's grace, that leads us in response to do good to other people. God's Holy Spirit lives in us. God's Holy Spirit is his very presence in us, guiding us, sustaining us, speaking his love over us. And when we're overwhelmed by God's grace and we're living by his spirit, then good works and kindness are simply an overflow from our lives. And so they're less duty and they become more of a delight. And this is how God wants it to work in our lives each and every day. And I don't know about you, but, you know, when I think of, uh, you know, people doing good and people who are kind, a lot of times I think of like Mother Teresa, right? Does that come to mind for anybody? We have a little book that we read to to our our nine-month-old PJ, uh, and he has a little book. It's on Mother Teresa, and so it's like her story for kids. And it's very inspiring, very motivating. So I think about her Think about people like Martin Luther King Jr. fighting for justice. As a Methodist pastor, I think about John Wesley, the founder of Methodism. He did so much good for the poor in England. Or, or I think about like the eight-year-old who collects, you know, 100,000 pounds of food for, for the homeless. Or the philanthropist who gives away millions of dollars. And so what I think happens is sometimes when we think about being kind and doing good, we have these amazing, huge, grandiose examples in our mind. And those aren't bad things. But suddenly I think, 
we think, you know what, that's what goodness and kindness looks like in the world. And if I'm not approaching that, then you know what, it's not really worth trying. But I love what Paul says later in Galatians chapter 6. He says this. He says, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. I'm going to read that again. It's Galatians chapter 6. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. And so here when he says, whenever we have the opportunity, I think he's talking about, look, in our everyday lives. In the ordinariness of every day, do good to others. Be kind to others. And I don't know about you this morning. Well, I do know about you because a lot of times I ask, hey, how, how, how's it going? Anything new? Right now, a lot of people feel like, you know what? My life's kind of boring. My life is just kind of stuck. It's like Groundhog Day. And this, this life, this very life that God has given us right now, This is where God wants us to do good. Every single day in the ordinariness of our lives right now. He he says, whenever we have the opportunity. And then he says, do good to everyone. Do good to everyone. And uh, I I looked up that word in the Greek, and you know what everyone means really deep down? Everyone. Okay, this is like we don't get to scoot out of it, everyone. And so if we think about everyone in our lives, I think one way to think about being kind and doing good is to first think about our our family and our house because that's where a lot of people are spending a lot of time right now. And so doing good, it doesn't have to look like some grand thing, right? Like painting the house. It can look like unloading the dishwasher, doing the laundry, just, just... making a cup of coffee for somebody, saying I love you, speaking a word of encouragement over them, doing good in your home can can look as simple as that. And then if we kind of expand outward, we we see Paul says do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. And so we think about the, the church and the family of faith. And we can do good here by welcoming people who are new to our community, praying for one another, encouraging one another in the faith. I mean, making meals for people when, when they're sick or when they're down or helping people with their children in this crazy time of learning and work and all, all this stuff. I mean, there's so many great ways we can do good for one another here. And then you have your, your coworkers and your workplaces. And for, for most people, especially adults, I mean, this is where you spend the majority of your time. Students, I mean, this is, this is your school. These are your classmates. And you might not like your work situation right now. You might not like your school or your teacher. But God has placed you there. And he says, look, I want you to do good every day. Go with eyes open, finding ways to move outside of yourself and turn towards other people in love with your heart and with your hands. And then we have kind of our our community and our neighbors And I know a lot of times we think about, you know, missionaries going to the ends of the earth, and and we are called to go to the ends of the earth, but we're also called to be missionaries here in Henry County, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to to love people in tangible ways, to do 
good to them. And so, so we have our, our neighbors and our community. And, and then we have the one group that, that really most of it, you know, is like, okay, we, we don't really like to do good to this group. And that's our enemies and the places that we don't want to go. And when you think of enemies in your mind, I don't know if anybody immediately comes to mind. If you have an enemy or do you know the term frenemy? It's like a friend who's an enemy kind of. But I think a lot of times now we, we have a hard time thinking, okay, enemies. And Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. And we think, well, no, I get along with everybody. But I think one way to think about it, especially in our current climate, especially in the upcoming week. I mean, for, for a lot of you, when you think, okay, you know what, who are my enemies? You think, okay, Democrats. Okay, Republicans. Who are my enemies? People who don't think like me. People who don't act like me. People who don't hold the same values as me. And, and Paul and Jesus and the witness of Scripture says, do good even to those people. To people you perceive as your enemies and to people who hate you. And he says, do this because, I mean, really, that's what, what God has done for you. I mean, Paul says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we had turned away from God, God didn't turn away from us. No, God turned toward us. And in his kindness and in his goodness did the greatest act of love ever for you and for me. And so now we find that we're called to be kind and do good, empowered by the Holy Spirit to all people in all places. And there's a, there's a book I've been, I've been reading through as I'm kind of preparing my messages each week by a guy named Christopher Wright. And it's on the fruit of the Spirit. And he talks about how, you know, the, these, are, these are gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. But we think about fruit, these are things you have to cultivate. And so he says, in his life, there, there are a couple of questions that he has begun asking himself regularly to help cultivate kindness and goodness in his life. And so we have, we have the questions here on the screen. And, and the first one is this. It's one you're probably familiar with. He goes around the world and he says, what would I do for this person if they, no, if I were Christ? What would I do for this person if I were Christ? He said, that's how I kind of do interactions. And you know the bracelets, what would Jesus do? So he says, that's a lens that I try to view the world through and my relationships through. But then he adds a second one, which I think is, is a very profound question. He said, then I also ask, what would I do for this person if they were Christ? What would I do for this person if I were Christ? What would I do for this person if they were Christ? And the second question, it's, it's very profound and it, it, it's kind of mysterious because it, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus it tells us in this, this kind of shocking parable, he says, you know what? Whatever you do for the least of these, you're actually doing it to me. And then he says, whatever you don't do for others, the least of these, for the hungry, people who need shelter, people who have all sorts of, of needs in this world, whatever you don't do, you're also not doing for me. And he says that as he begins living out these questions each day and asking the Holy Spirit to open his eyes and open his heart, that it's, it's, it's begun to transform his relationships. And I think we would all agree that if we began living by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
with an overwhelming sense of God's grace in our lives, asking these questions every day, living these questions out in our lives, our relationships would be transformed. Our community would be transformed. Our households would be transformed. Our church would be transformed. Things would begin to change around us. This is how God calls us to live in the world, in our ordinary, everyday lives. And something to remember is that God, He hasn't called us to save the world. God already saved the world 2,000 years ago through His Son, Jesus Christ. He simply calls us now to be servants, to live with kindness, to live with goodness, to be witnesses to the good work that He has done through our good works every single day. No matter what it looks like or no matter where, it takes us. And this week I've been thinking about some of my friends, Don and Samantha, who uh, shared a story with me from a few years ago uh, of them being on the receiving end of, of kindness and goodness from, from some just ordinary people doing their job. And, and, and she told me the story, and she shared it wider on Facebook and other places. She said that, one day a few years back on a Saturday morning, they live in Conyers. These are my Sunday school teachers growing up. They said, we were having a yard sale, and it was 7.45 a.m. We were putting out stuff, and, and the police show up. So immediately, she's like, dang it. We didn't get a permit. You know, now we're shutting down yard sales. Okay, whatever. So she's kind of like getting ready for it. The police come up, and, and they said, hey, we saw you were putting out furniture. Do you happen to have... Uh, a crib for a baby and they went on to say they said look we just came from a call and there's a three-month-old who who doesn't have a crib and that's what the family desperately needs and so uh, we're willing to pay out of pocket just just to get this for the family and Samantha said at that moment she knew the Holy Spirit was at work in this situation because they hadn't put out a crib. They had put out a bunch of other furniture, but they had a crib in their attic. A brand new baby mattress. And it had been there for a little while now, and they hadn't put it out because they just weren't quite sure really what to do with it. Because they had bought it for their son Benjamin, but he died during labor. And she said immediately, she knew I got to give these guys this crib. They're, they're seeking to do good. This, this is what should happen. So they got the crib down from the attic. They gave it to the officers. The officers took it to the family who was extremely grateful for it. And then Samantha wrote this. She said, those two gentlemen did so much more than they knew that day. They rushed to the aid of someone in our community, saved the life of a little baby, and helped her parents. And they gave me a way to let go of one of the biggest things I was holding on to for my son's cut short life. I praise God for those two. I'm so grateful for servants like them in our community. They weren't looking for praise. They were responding to a need. They could have just gone home from work, hugged their families, and forgotten about it. But that wasn't enough for them. And she told me this week, she said, you know, in that moment, I, I felt like I was part of God's tapestry in the world. I was part of 
the good work that God was still doing, still redeeming, still saving, still moving his Holy Spirit and power over the earth. She said, that day, I had a tangible sense that I was a part of that work. And that work included the, the, the two guys who were just doing their job. They probably thought it's going to be a, a boring Saturday in Conyers, Georgia. But the Holy Spirit was guiding them. And through their small, small act of kindness for other people, they had a huge impact. What I want you to realize this morning is you don't have to do huge things. All you have to do is live with someone with your heart open to the Spirit, with your eyes open to the needs around you, with your hands willing to help other people, and God will place opportunities in your life for you to be kind, do good, and see His transforming power at work in the world. And so this morning, let, let's close with a word of prayer because we, we can't do this on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. And so we ask today, come Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful once again. Renew us. Transform us. Give us eyes to see the everyday world around us with love. Give us hands that are willing to do good to all people in all places. God, help move us away from a focus on ourselves to a focus on other people. God, we know, we know these are challenging times. A lot of the flesh at work. A lot of hatred, a lot of discord, a lot of disunity. And God, we pray that in, in this broken world that you would lift up the church, our church, and churches everywhere. Help us to be light. Help us to be love. Help us to be patient, kind, good. We need you. We can't do this on our own. And so we thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence and we thank you that you're empowering us even now. And it's in Jesus' holy name we ask these things. Amen.